Hello, folks. Welcome to Below the Line, where we talk about making movies from the crew perspective. My name is Skid. I was in a... All right. We're already going with some noise. What What's that coming in on? <laughs> All right. Yeah, there was something something made like a little scratching noise. A scratchy, yeah. I heard, yeah, that I heard it. I plugged the other part of my headset in. <laughs> ah, okay. Well, that's good to know on your, Sheila, that it's catching there, your mic. So you'll want to... Yep. Or it's, it's the mic in the hair is what's happening right there. You might need to pull your hair back or something, actually. Do you need to tie? Better? Yeah, I, well, yeah. we're not catching any uh, any hair scratching. Okay. To... Uh, hey, we'll all do it. You know? <laughs> I got it. I support the team. There you go. Thank you. Let's try that. Take two. Welcome to Below the Line, where we talk about making movies from the crew perspective. My name is Skid. I was an assistant director in Hollywood for the better part of eight years, and now I'm not. Today, we're talking about Sex and Death 101, a 2007 black comedy written and directed by Daniel Waters, starring Simon Baker and Winona Ryder, with a slew of other recognizable faces throughout the film. Daniel Waters is probably best known as the writer of Heathers, and this movie is often described as a reunion project between him and Winona. Its Rotten Tomatoes rating, however, is a fairly dismal 25%, and the critics' consensus reads, Sex and Death 101 aspires to be a clever sex comedy, but it has little life behind the sex or the death. Looks like they were trying to have a clever remark in that. However, we're not concerned about what the critics thought. Myself, I worked on this film as the key second assistant director, and my guests today were fellow crew members. Eric Pott, you are our first AD. Welcome back to Below the Line. I'm glad to be here. So, Eric, you've joined us here before, and we chatted about your IMDb page. So rather than start at the top, I'm going to look at the bottom of your resume instead. IMDb tells me that at the start of your career, you worked as a production assistant, or PA, on Richie Rich, Chain Reaction, and Home Alone 3. Which of those movies would you say was your favorite? This is like speed dating for uh, filmmaking. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Uh, You know, Richie Rich was wild because, you know, that was Macaulay Culkin right at the end, you know, where he was not quite as cute as he was. So we're racing to the end to uh, try to get it before (laughs) there was nothing left. We had to shut down for a month because he got conjunctivitis in his eye. So, you know, I got nothing but good memories about that one. Okay, well, we'll t- let's try to find some other crew and we'll do a whole podcast about it. Uh, thanks, Eric. Thanks for being here. Uh, next is Lily Garcia. Lily, you worked with us on Sex and Death as a PA. Nice to catch up with you. Thanks for having me, guys. IMDb lists your notable feature credits as Doctor Strange and American Assassin. And I know that while you were a PA on Sex and Death, you started doing AD work soon after that. What are you working on now? Um, I switch to do commercials. So um, I've been doing a lot of commercials out there. And uh, my upcoming commercial is going to be in Houston. So I'll be there for the first time working. Oh, congratulations, Chloe. I'm glad yeah. to hear your career is going well. Now, my third and final guest is Sheila Louie, who was our set medic. Sheila, glad you could join us. Hi, thanks for having me. Sheila, IMDb lists Iron Man, Fast and Furious, and Shoot 'em Up as notable credits on your resume. What have you been working on recently? Uh, I am actually going back to school to get my Bachelor's of Science in Nursing with the eventual goal of being a nurse practitioner. Oh, congratulations, Sheila. I hope that's going well. Yeah, well, you know, the the, uh, algebra and chemistry is like, okay, I learned that 20 years ago. Please start to click back in. (laughs) 
Yeah, I can imagine it's a new challenge. <laughs> any, any opportunity to get off a, a film set, I uh, I want to encourage you. Good luck. Thanks. I, I, I totally respect that half the people on this podcast had the sense to get out of the industry. So, you know. You <laughs> well, let's dive right into the conversation about Sex and Death 101. But let's start with the fact that when we were filming it, we didn't call it that. We knew it as blank slate on our script covers and cards and call sheets. Uh, Eric, I know you were, uh, were involved in planning with Daniel how we're going to execute this. What were some of the concerns that had us uh, working under a pseudonym? The studio truly thought we were going to release it as a blank slate, you know, and Daniel never thought that because, you know, he wrote it. And truth be told, his real working title that he couldn't put on paper was truly fucked. So that's the one that we <laughs> walked around <laughs> talking about. <laughs> that's what he wanted, you know, in a secret world. Sex and death almost was a compromise. So when you put out something so far out there, the studio uh, allowed us to get back to sex and death. We thought for a couple of things, we didn't want it on paperwork that we were like putting out, you know, permits and stuff to the city saying sex and death. They thought would be a, a porn film. So the uh, the working title was Blank Slate based upon the character's name, Roderick Blank, and getting this white card, which was the slate. You know, in rewatching the film, I was actually surprised that there was a lot less nudity than I had remembered. We shot around a lot of stuff, it felt like. And there is nudity in the film as a warning for folks who are thinking of watching it at home with their kids after listening to the podcast, but not nearly as much as, I don't know, the title might have led people to, to think. It was certainly a marketing hook trying to get people to pick it up on the DVD shelf. I never actually saw the final cut, so I will take your word for it. Just imagine it, okay? <laughs> You know, it's one of those films that had a great time making it, you know, and it's fabulous to see all you people. But uh, I, I haven't thought of it in uh, at least a decade. So I did have to pull out the book and I had to look through it and say, oh, yeah, that movie. So that's great. Well, Lily, let me ask you, what are your memories of uh, Sex and Death? Do you also remember it as an enjoyable movie? It, it was. It was. Um, starting with the director, um, Daniel Waters, remember, with all his change of shirts. I was looking at pictures. He will he will change twice a day, right? Yeah. Uh, right, Eric. He yes, will have yes. his first shirt in the morning, and then at lunch he will change something completely different, more out there to finish the day. That was so funny. We had a really good team, and we would laugh a lot, and we were working long hours. Looking, I was looking at the pictures, and our last day it was like 18-hour day, 19-hour days. And we were still smiling because I, I got some pictures and we're still looking smiling there. So that's a good sign. Yeah, I, I remember that last night because remember we were shooting in that diner all night long till the sun came up. So it was you know six o'clock in the morning and we're trying to finish that. We're still having a good time. I remember that night specifically because uh, the director, Daniel, and the producer, Carrie, had come to me and said, what time are we going to wrap? And I said, we are going to wrap at 5.57 a.m. And I took it and I wrote it on a Sharpie on my hand, a red Sharpie. Remember this day, 5.57 a.m. It got to be right there, 5.54. And I'm like, shoot. I'm like, Daniel, I don't think we got that. Let's go again. So we, we rolled that last <laughs> take again. <laughs> One before was perfectly fine. 
pulled the plug <laughs> right at 557. I'm like, oh, hey, look at that right there on my hand. That is like the Olympics of ADing, right? There. Well, it's like the Olympics of ADing when the judge has a choice about who actually completes the jump, right? That's a, as the first AD, for those who don't know, <laughs> basically running the set and how things work. Now, obviously, there's a lot of things you can't control or else all the days would be shorter all around. But uh, yeah. I, I'm just letting you look behind the curtain here. If you're wondering how you magically wrap like you know, right at it. Oh, look, we've shot right till 7.30. How did that happen? It's like, well, you cheat a little bit. <laughs> I remember that diner set. That was actually kind of a difficult shoot, right? Because I don't think our trucks were close by. Did we, were we entirely in that diner on that last day or had we moved locations? We moved from somewhere. I remember, uh, wasn't it like your birthday or something? I have these uh, pictures of you having like a birthday cake sitting in front of LA Center. I think we were based out of LA Center that day, weren't we? We were just down the street from there. Big studio right downtown. I don't think my birthday was the last day of shooting. My birthday was on a weekend. It was in June. And we did end up shooting on my birthday because the scenes we shot there were the uh, Swallows Burger um, location. I think that that was at LA Center where we had built out the burger restaurant. Oh, and wow. And okay. the early scenes there yeah, where yeah. he's accepting the burger and sort of the announcement stuff. and they, And then there were... The sex scenes there with him and the woman from behind the counter. I'm not sure what her number was. Uh, I, lo- I love that her. you just said the you just said the sex scene like that was going to like help me remember something because every scene in that was <laughs> Roderick and somebody or two or three somebodies. So, well, yes. I meant this. I meant the sex scene. There was only one sex scene at the burger restaurant is what I meant. So I'm, I'm sure. There. And Sheila, my... you remember that well, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Now, I remember the extra that you hired who was cast as a barista, and he somehow got upgraded to having lines, and that was like the highlight of his career. That's what I remember. Yeah, I think that was Bill, wasn't it? I don't uh, remember his name. Yeah. No, I, it was, it was <laughs> a friend from a previous episode, Friends with Mark Waters, and uh, he had transferred through. So he had been in Mark's movie, and then we had put him there as the barista, and we just kept giving more to do, and he was pretty happy about that. Not that Hollywood has those kind of things going on, but it is who you know. Exactly. And I think we all were happy for him as well. We were happy for him. We were celebrating. He was he was so happy to get lines. I remember that, yeah. That's the dream in Hollywood. Two words on screen, darn it. Get my SAG card. Woohoo, residuals! <laughs> now, a movie like this, can't say that I've seen the residual checks just flowing in through the years here, but... Um, but you have gotten one or two, right? I, you know, now that you mention it, I can't remember getting a residuals from this. Skid, have you ever got one? I have. Uh, it's okay. got a lot. It's like $12 every six months or something like that. It's not going to pay no, for it, the it movie. Wouldn't be but, much. Uh, <laughs> I think, I'm not sure it's been enough to buy the DVD um, over the years. <laughs> Uh, I gotta say, yeah, a movie like that I call Coffee Money. You have car money and you have coffee money. And <laughs> yeah, sex and death would be coffee money. You know, when you were talking about uh, shooting on my birthday, uh, that reminded me of a story. Actually, um, Dan had on that day uh, given me a bottle of bourbon as a birthday gift, um, and I was like, I was flattered because I, um, I think I had become a bourbon drinker on another movie with you, Eric. We'll save that for another podcast. Yes, we will. Um, it involves Utah, but we're not going to talk about it. Right now. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> not yet. Um, but but anyway, Dan gave me that bottle of bourbon. And the reason I mentioned doing that sex scene there, about halfway through the day, 
Dan came over and asked if he could open the bottle uh, and share it around just to make things a little more comfortable for the actors that day. Actually, I, I, I have those pictures on set that he's actually opening the bottle and there's another one where he has he's holding the, the glass. Well, it was an indie film. Come on. All things have to be <laughs> put to good use. What other uh, what other scenes do folks remember from the movie? There was that uh, that that montage scene you and I had to fall over ourselves to create. I think, and the scene you're referring to is we did that. Um, it was a it was a one shot holiday yeah. montage where yeah, we started yeah. out with holiday decorations on one end of the bar, swept down the bar past Roderick having some sort of holiday themed sexual encounter, came to the other side of the bar, reset it. It was a new holiday, and then went back. And everyone had changed the holiday themes in between. And I think we went back and forth. Let's see, once down, back, and then back again before the scene wrapped. Which, which of course, is an adventure from an AD standpoint and a set dressing standpoint and a prop standpoint. You have all these people at the periphery that the second the camera passes through have to dive in, change the background. You're pushing background out of the way. You know, now they're dressed as Christmas and they pull over here. And one person, you know, glancing at the camera wrong can screw something like that up. So, you know, you live in excitement and terror that you can get this or you're about to be the biggest heel and mess this thing up. We did it a few times, as I recall. I think we did it a few times, but no more than is standard as far as shooting, right? I I don't recall us gnashing our teeth over it on the day, other than the challenge and getting it set up. I recall rehearsing the heck out of it. So, you know, that was back in the good old days of this stuff called film. You know, today, <laughs> today you wouldn't care as much. You know, roll the camera for an hour, it doesn't matter. But it made a little bit of difference when you had to reload the camera every time. I don't know. Even today, I think it would make a difference if uh, we'd had to ask the actors over and over. If we had to ask them to do that scene particularly, like, there's only so many times you can put on a, a Santa hat and take it off, I think, without starting. Yep. But it, it's fun when you go back and watch and try to look for like a, a drink walk, rocking or a table moving or something. Or, you know. Sheila, I want to get a little bit of your perspective um, as the medic on the show. I don't recall this one being particularly challenging in terms of stunts or actual scenes where there was an inherent uh, risk of injury. But do you have any specific uh, recollections of this that maybe I'm forgetting? No, it was a pretty straightforward show. The only thing medical-wise that stood out on that show for me was the mascara in the eye. Yeah, it, it seemed to stop production for a good hour, I want to say. I don't know. I wasn't keeping a clock on it like I could have been. That's your job, Eric. I was definitely keeping a clock on it. I specifically don't remember having any medical issues in the show. There was this one night where uh, in the makeup trailer... Winona, you know, got some mascara in her eye and her eye swelled up and it just became an issue, you know, and we were on set. It's a night scene. You know, it's her scene. We have nothing else to shoot. We were standing there worried about Winona's eye for an hour, two hours, hoping she could come up. And she ended up coming up and we shot her from one side. You'll see probably in that sequence that she's profile <laughs> because her other side of her face was just red and puffy because of this mascara accident. So isn't it interesting that, you know, a multi-million dollar film can just grind to a halt because of like a, a wayward eyelash and <laughs> mascara. <laughs> that was my perspective, watching my, my night slip away into darkness. And I think that's the night we were shooting on the lot and we were yeah. shooting the... Um, the scenes at the newsstand. I think that was largely it. It was the newsstand scene. Yeah, that was the scene. Her at the newsstand, as I recall. 
you know, she pushed through, but there was a good long time. We're like, what can we do? You know, it's always that panic as an AD or production. It's like, how can I dig myself out of this one? I, I think the other difficult part of that, Eric, is we, we kept thinking we were going to get started and then we could not quite get started. And so right. I kept trying to give you a warning about how long it would be. And then that was not exactly how long it was. And so she's doing better. OK, we're getting dressed. And then, you know, the clock just ticks, ticks. And yes, yeah, so that that falls back to like the Richie Rich story. You know, Macaulay Culkin, he gets a sty in his eye and you shut down for a month. Yeah, you know, we're a tiny three, four five million dollar movie. And it's like, I can't do that. You know, We can't come back tomorrow. It's like we have to shoot something. So what do you do? In that case, we chose to sit there and wait her out and shoot her with one eye. That scene, Winona, does remind me. Do you remember that we had to have the body double for the scene? That's a dream sequence, I think, where she's walking up to herself. We were somewhere in Malibu Ranch or something, right? The end sequence is at uh, Peter Strauss Ranch. We set that up out in the trees, and it's the same day we did the scene, two of them and their and their child. Spoiler alert for those that don't <laughs> want to know the end of the movie. No, no, no. With the kid, you know, the, the happy ending, the very unexpected happy ending in this movie. Uh, that was all at Peter Strauss Ranch. And we did their bedroom scene where they took the pills inside that uh, building. I think we shot that famous bus scene out there, too. The uh, Catholic girl bus scene. Uh, that The yeah. scene where uh, uh, he still has 20 names before he reaches uh, the end of the list. And he gets hit by a bus full of Catholic school girls, all who proceed to lose their virginity. You know, watching that again recently... It doesn't ring quite as funny now as it did maybe then. <laughs> I, I got to say, there's a lot of things that on paper sound kind of cringy, you know, plus, you know, in my looking around this morning, I'm looking at the IMDb and the Rotten Tomatoes and those reviews are kind of harsh and kind of specific. And it, it pulls out scenes like that, that, uh, you know, there, there's irony, there's funny, and then there's just like rapey, you know, it's like, this is not funny. So God bless it. Well, I love Dan and I loved working on that movie, but, you know, the film had issues and the audience uh, seemed to have noted those. Let's take it in the other direction. You know, I want to talk about how fantastic it was working with Mindy Cohn, previously from Facts of Life. And I just thought she was just a fantastic pleasure on set. She was just super nice to work with. I really enjoyed working with her. Oh, a yeah, a pleasure to work with her. She's she's so professional, so nice. Love her. And of course, all of us that grew up in a certain time period, 80s, I didn't say that, that uh, were obsessed with a certain TV show. Of course, love it. It's Natalie. And there there were a whole group of actors that um, we didn't audition these people. Dan knew who he wanted. You know, he's been in Hollywood for a while and he was just basically asking his friends, hey, come be in my movie. So she she was always aboard way from the beginning. What other folks did Dan bring in that you're aware, Eric, from the beginning? He had known that uh, Simon was going to do it. They had been talking about it for a while. Patton Oswald, you know, we we did not audition Patton. He uh, was an acquaintance of Dan and he asked him to do it. I don't remember doing almost any auditions, actually. A lot of the, the Julie Bowen came aboard that way and uh, who else? I found a very odd thing. I found an original cast list and it had Alec Baldwin on it playing Alpha. He did not end up doing the movie, but that's interesting. Oh, there was also Cindy Pickett, who for, again, 80s people, that's uh, Ferris Bueller's mom, which I thought was the coolest thing to say. That's Ferris Bueller's mom, you know? I don't know where we got Thumper and Bambi, but uh, the lesbian astronaut power couple, but the rest mostly were uh, friends of Dan. <laughs> you know, when you, Eric, when you mentioned uh, Patton Oswald, it reminded me um, of 
the white room scene and that white room oh. i forget what stage we were shooting on but that was a pain in the ass it, it completely was because obviously it was white floor to ceiling and white things get dirty and nothing's dirtier than a film crew. So, you know, every piece of equipment, every person that walked through there immediately left black marks all over it, which showed up entirely. So pity the set deck and uh, the art department that had to keep that place clean. But you had booties for everybody. But you, you try to convince an entire shooting crew through the course of 12 hours to wear booties constantly when they come off and on the uh, set. The problem is that they will wear the booties, but they won't take them off when they leave the set. So they'll walk around the street, they'll walk around other places, and they'll walk right back onto the set with the same booties. <laughs> and like a dog walking through cement, bloom, 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 you know, and trail right across your white floor again. And then you're like, okay, cut, 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 I see footprints. And That day we ended up having two on-set painters, and they were actually going through our set and just painting every print that we were leaving behind, like everywhere we were going, they were just refreshing the paint. I adore that you remember a day from 12 years ago, how many onset painters we have. Well, it's <laughs> awesome. I wish I could say it's my memory, but it's actually the pictures I took. To the point of walking around that set, even obviously the actors aren't going to wear booties walking around the set and even their shoes would be scuffed. I think uh, that team besides Patton Oswalt, he was joined by Robert Wisdom played Alpha and Tonk Sade, uh, he played Beta on that. They were all funny guys. I was watching an interview with Dan where he was saying he thought of that as like the Greek chorus of the episode. He kept talking about the movie in terms of like Shakespearean proportions. I'm like, okay, Dan, that that's good to know. So my memory of the white set was that we were trying to watch the World Cup really quietly while you guys were shooting there. So uh, I think we have Tank and Patton on the side. We were like, watching the game on silent and every time I think Australia was playing. So then we will get Simon between takes and watch the game. And then when we were setting up, we could yell and we could be like ourselves, but between takes, we were so quietly there intense and it was so funny. I mean, I love that. This is a total tangent, but you're exactly right that I have so many memories of like world shaking events and they're tied to like what show I was shooting on. And I don't remember the show at all, but I'm like, oh, I remember on set. I remember the, like the OJ OJ chase. It's like, I remember where I was on set and everybody's standing around a TV watching it. So it's like, I have no idea what the scene was about, but boy, we were watching TV. So what set were you on during the Northridge earthquake? Oh, well, I was in Chicago, so uh, I kind of missed it. <laughs> and where were you during the Northridge earthquake? Uh, San Francisco. <laughs> How about you, Lily? Were oh. you not in LA at the time? No, I was in Mexico. Was anybody in LA during the... You know, actually, I was in L.A. during the Northridge earthquake. I wasn't working in film. I was in the Air Force, and I was down uh, visiting a buddy of mine out at Redondo Beach. And you were the only one. The rest of us missed it. One more memory from the White Room is I happen to have the hero prop from the movie. It's in my hand. It's the white card that comes out of the uh, the wall. It says Roderick Blank on it. I have it. It's probably worth two or three million dollars on eBay. And so, uh, <laughs> or more important to my friends and family, I have a card that says Eric Pot on it. That's me because, you know, in, when you're working in a movie, it's very hard to clear names. So oftentimes the art department will just take the crew list and put everyone's names on it. So technically almost everybody on the crew had their own card jetting out of that uh, computer wall in the white room with their name on it. So. Do you have I ours? Have if your name is Eric Pot, I have it. And if you <laughs> <laughs> Roderick Blank, I have that card. 
Speaking of souvenirs of the movie, um, I think uh, our wrap gift was watches. Does yes. anyone still have their Sex and Death 101 watch? I do. I, I definitely I, had it for years and years, and I kept it in a drawer. I think it stopped working like the next day, and it sat in there like so many other things. You're like, I can't throw this away. You know, this is a archaeological find <laughs> to somebody. <laughs> and now I tossed it. And then I think our um, our gift to the AD department was T-shirts that had that said black T-shirts that say sex on the front and then death on the back and crew. And was it th- was that all that was on the T-shirts? You know, I think it's a gift that I, I'm not even sure I've worn my own more than a handful of times. I got to say that one was pretty misthought out. Right? <laughs> if you're going to give somebody a shirt that in big letters just says sex across the front, you know, and this is not a good gift. Nobody's ever going to wear this. Uh, my apologies. I, I think it was my idea. Eric. I'm the one that pushed it through. I, you know, it's, we could uh, we could blame it on Leah. Leah was our second second AD and declined to join us for the podcast. So I think it's a good opportunity to say it was was her idea. The t-shirts. I, I was going to blame it on Ryan. It, it could be Ryan. Oh, Ryan. Ryan was another one of our production assistants, and Michelle rounded out our team of the regular folks. That was a great staff. We have those pictures of like the six of us sitting there, just like we look really happy. You know, the world was your oyster. You know, it's crazy. What I also remember, Lily, you you almost didn't get to stay, right? You started the show and then there was a problem with uh, with accounting. You yes. That? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Um, by the way, thank you, Skate, because because of you, I was able to stay. I had a problem with immigration status at that time where my green card expired. Accounting wanted to actually see an actual green card that was up to date. So then send me home and they said that I couldn't come back to the show until I actually had it. And uh, I think it's good. You kind of reach out and you say, that doesn't seem, seem right. Uh, and you were fighting for me. And then you call me and said, um, you need to get a lawyer. And I ended up getting a lawyer that was able to um, come up and speak up and saying that it was only the car that expired, but not my legal status. So I think I was sent home and I was on the impression that I could come back for two weeks while I will hear from immigration and end up coming back a week later. And the best part is that because you talk to accounting, they pay for that week that I wasn't on set because they were the ones that sent me home and nobody else. So thank you guys. And I came back and I was so happy to continue the shoot. <laughs> we That's were probably why you're smiling in all of those pictures. Such <laughs> <laughs> a good time. Yeah. You know, I know that as um, ADs, one of our responsibilities is you got to check right to work paperwork on everybody. Like we have a lot of over and- paperwork. An I-9, you know, I always say, you know, filmmaking is really just paperwork, you know, from our standpoint, that's what it is. We generate reams of it. And when you start an episode, when you start a show, you have to sign a packet that's like half an inch thick. I mean, it's insane the amount of paperwork you have to do. And Lily, in your case specifically, yeah, the piece of paper had expired, but your status hadn't changed. And so it was frustrating that they were getting caught up on that. And so, yeah, I'm glad we pushed for that and it worked out because you were a big part of our team. Thanks again, guys. <laughs> that was a good lesson also for me because I didn't actually know. I really thought that the, the Canada department was right. Um, and it actually, because of that, now I know the legal procedure of it. And it happened in another shows that I did like years later where somebody also had the same issue as me. And I was able to say, oh, my personal experience, let me walk you through this. <laughs> Wait, um, wait, do you do you use that voice when you talk? About no, that? no, no, I don't. That's that's Lily's AD voice. That now that she's now that she's an AD, she has a completely different voice. She's using a troll <laughs> voice with us today, but she's got an AD voice for her actual shoots. Yeah.
It, it was a good group. The, the shirt was misthought out though. Sorry, and the one and only time I've ever seen another human in it was today, again, in my little Google, you find Dan Waters walking around his house, wearing this shirt, pitching the movie. So it's like a four minute video, Google this thing, it's hysterical, with him walking around saying, please, please go see my movie. And there's people like hauling furniture out of his house. So it's supposed to be like a little viral video of him. And pretty funny, but he is wearing that shirt. So if anybody wants to see it, Google uh, Dan Waters Sex and Death 101 and you'll see the shirt. It was fun working with Dan. I got to say, he was, a, he, was a, he was a pleasure on set. He did know what he wanted. I think I'm sure it was frustrating at times for him. He didn't have a lot of directorial experience. Is that true, Eric? Yeah, he had done a movie called Happy Campers a couple years before that that was truly reviled. So and he <laughs> makes fun of himself for that one. So that's fine. This was his movie that he made to recapture what it was that he had when he wrote Heathers. You know, he had come to L.A., to make movies and then he got sidetracked into like writing Batman and Hudson Hawk and stuff. And he really felt that he'd lost his way and this was going to uh, put him back to where he wanted to be. To that end, people that like it say that, yeah, this isn't for everybody, but it's got such a very specific, cynical, bizarre humor. The people that like it really like it. There, there was an audience for it. It was just pretty small, probably. Not small was his house. I remember he, <laughs> he hosted our rap party at the end of the shoot. That was uh, quite a night. Dan Waters uh, lives in Orson Welles' house. Oh, wow. I missed it. And the highlight of his tour, and you'll see this in this video if you go look at the video I was just telling you about. It. <laughs> right in the living room of that house, Orson Welles died. He couldn't make it up the stairs anymore because of his girth. And he has a plaque on the floor, Dan does, says, here is where Orson Welles died. Okay, then. So but it is this enormous house in Hollywood. Uh, they had the rap party there that went all night and most of the morning. Is there pictures? <laughs> no. <laughs> this was before TMZ, but <laughs> everyone was there. It actually looked like one of those John Hughes movies where you have to like push the door really hard to get in because it's just like wall to wall bodies and music and you go down and the pool is completely surrounded by people and they're pushing each other in and diving and dressed and it was like nothing I'd ever gone to. Let's talk about some of the other crew. When we say that we had a good time on the show, it, it wasn't, you know, just Dan Waters and the four of us standing around. There was a lot of good people on that show. So cast on down, but specifically, you know, the DP, you know, Darren Okada was a, a great guy. I'd done two movies previously with him. He had come from um, Mark Waters. I had done uh, two movies with Mark Waters, Freaky Friday and Just Like Heaven. And good guy came in to uh, help out Dan through this movie. And the movie looked good. Great guy. Brought a good crew with him, too. Steve Adcock, I remember the A-camera operator. When you work long days with people, it's very nice that you're around people that in the 14th hour you turn around and they're still smiling. Now, I, I just worked with Darren Der on Scandal for the last three years. And he's a great guy. He's actually directing now. And he's on uh, Station 19 this year. Good for him. I'm glad to hear. He was a pleasure to work with, and I'm sure yeah. I'm sure that's still true. The the irony of it is that you work with these people so intensely, you know, you're with them more than you're with your family for a few months, and odds are you never see them again, you know. So it's like this weird summer camp vibe where you go and everybody, you're best friends with everybody, you know. You can go out afterwards, you have a great time, but then you move on to the next show, you know. And it's really you have to make quite an effort to maintain a relationship in Hollywood over time because it's just the nature of it when you go project to project. Yeah, I mean, it, just, uh, the crew on the, this, the chemistry was so nice all around. It, it, make a huge, it made a huge difference because I remember, you know, yes, we did have long hours, 
you felt like you were always with your friends and you just work and you will make jokes about stuff and then you just keep going and and of course Dan and you made a huge difference on that and I think that's the reason we kept with that positive energy all around through the film it was a fun experience for me at that time just to second the point uh, I thought we had a great team and we got lucky with a great crew and uh, a cast that was really into this quirky movie. It was an enjoyable experience. And it's a nice one to revisit with you guys. I'm really glad you guys could take the time and uh, and, and talk through some of your memories. It was it was really fun to go back in time and, and, and see all the things you've done. And, and, and it was a good, it's really good memories on this one. So thank you. And thank you guys. And thanks uh, for our audience as well. If we've intrigued you, yeah, go check out Sex and Death 101. Buy it. I get a couple of pennies and as does Eric as well. If you do, we'd love <laughs> to see a little bit of residual payment there. But uh, yeah, and Eric, that's when you can sell your uh, prop cards. I'm sure once the podcast comes out, there will be a whole new wave of interest. So you might get that higher value. Thanks, guys. We'll catch you next time. Thank you. And that's a wrap on Sex and Death 101. Thanks, as always, to Curtis Five for our music and John Juan for our logo. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate us five stars. Email me your feedback via skid, S-K-I-D, at blowthelineoneword.biz. That's B-I-Z. We've also got a Facebook community page. Next episode, we'll be discussing Attila, a USA Network 2001 miniseries that stars Gerard Butler in his first major role and was shot entirely on location in Lithuania. It's a fun one, and I hope you'll join us. All right, guys. Other stories that people want to hear? Are you, are you just hanging up? You're done. She's like, I'm off, this, I'm off this set. Rap! <laughs> Last man out. Yeah, now. Don't, you know, don't you know medics last? You got to stay till the end. There's anybody there. No! You got to stay out till the end. <laughs>